Welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor Who Flashcast. I am your host, Jason Snell. Uh, We normally come to you right after Doctor Who airs, which is now on Sundays. This is not Sunday. I was traveling. I had a personal thing. I went on a little vacation, mini vacation, and uh, couldn't record. So now we're recording a little bit late. Joining me to record this unusual Wednesday episode of the Doctor Who Flashcast, it's Aline Sims. Hello. Hello, friend. Hello. We are here to talk about... Episode three of season 11. It's uh, Rosa, the Rosa Parks episode, which among the people I know has been on the horizon as an episode that has generated an awful lot of trepidation because while you might think that people would look at this and say, I think it's really exciting that Doctor Who is going to talk about, do one of their, you know, trips in time to a historical event event to talk about um, a a civil rights era uh, milestone. Mostly what I got from all of them was, oh, they better not screw this thing up. Yeah. Because the the ways you could step in it when you're talking about uh, a historical moment like this that echoes into the present day are there are many there are so many ways you could step in it uh did they step in it do you think i think they did a really good job and i um i'm glad we're recording this on wednesday and not like sunday right after it became available because um i really I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to kind of look for opinions from people of color and black Americans specifically about how they did, because I watched it and I was like, I feel like they did a really good job. But is this kind of my lens as someone who grew up um, in a very like white area and didn't deal with um, even peripherally deal with any of the issues that are brought up um in this episode growing up so i was like i want to make sure and check it and so uh, it seems like consensus from kind of blogs i read and podcasts i listened to and general chit chat on twitter was generally positive about how they handled um the the history in general but also specifically like instances specific instances of racism um whether real or made up for purposes of storytelling in the show um and so i was i was pretty pretty glad to see that yeah i i uh i also on watching i thought that they they were very careful in how they handled it and we can go into some of those details but i will put in the show notes which we don't usually do for flashcasts because flashcasts are fast and they don't have show notes but i will put links so you can look in your podcast player or on the uh, incomparable website for this episode um at the incomparable.com and then just click on the tv podcast in this episode i'll put links in there to a couple of stories so ty gooden who is an african-american writer and doctor who fan who i met at gallifrey one uh, last year, uh, she, or I guess earlier this year, she is reviewing Doctor Who for Hypable.com, and so uh, she's got a very interesting perspective on this episode that was va- really valuable. I'll also put a link in there to a blog post that uh, Doctor Who comic writer Nick Abadzis wrote that is he is um, married to a uh, black woman, and they have a mixed-race daughter, teenage daughter, and uh, he watched the episode with her. And I think that that there's a lot of really good perspective in there. And then since you were listening to a podcast, you might like to listen to a different podcast. And I highly recommend people, if they want to hear more about Rosa and hear about it from three black women, 
Uh, Tarbis, uh, time and relative blackness in space, is a subcategory of the, uh, what is it, Black Girls Create Mm -hmm. podcast. I'll put a link in to the episode page. Um, I listened to that episode today, and that was really uh, fun and interesting. And uh, they're great, and they have a great back and forth about it, too. Yeah, they do. Um, Especially, they feel, I had, first episode, I had grace dying feels and they kind of validated those feels oh, yes. for me about they have so. those very strongly and they, yeah. they they uh they are going to hold uh that against graham uh forever ever yeah <laughs> which is fine they can do that um so all right so the tardis goes to uh montgomery alabama in the 50s and the and it is uh it is time for uh, it sounds like the doctor has been trying to get them back, but they have been somewhere between, uh, you know, seven and 15 or whatever it is. There's a dispute. The doctor is minimizing how many times they've tried to get them back home, but they, it, it, the TARDIS is not taking them there. I think implied is that who knows what kinds of strange places they have already mm-hmm. traveled to by the time I like the having a little, little opening there for, for other things. But, um, this is one of those moments where they step out. Graham is excited about it being the era of elvis um as the as the women on the tarbus podcast pointed out like dude uh that's the first thing that comes to your head but i yeah. think but i felt like so their, their perspective there was the white guy uh thinks hey it's the south in the 50s yay elvis um and they're like or you could be thinking about your grandson and your wife and of, about the horrible racism but i what i took away from that that they didn't mention is i felt like this was the episode kind of saying yeah you you know when doctor who goes back in time and they meet celebrities right this is not that <laughs> this is different this is going to be a different kind of episode um yeah right yeah. it's like oh yeah well, this is the one where we meet elvis right it is not <laughs> well and it also sets graham up as kind of the the white person stand in you know like like the person who's not who hasn't had to deal with racism let alone racism like in Jim, the jim crow south um right. and so he's kind of like and for the people who don't know the history because let's face it even in the u.s the american school system doesn't do a great job of teaching this stuff um which you know yeah except it should except i don't believe i don't believe that graham has not had to deal with racism as somebody who married a black woman who who also was very very much i mean very much a you know she had the rosa parks t-shirt right like so i have i I have a hard time you know he seemed he had to have if we think logically and maybe not in terms of this character in this series but if we think logically about it i have a hard time believing that an, an older gentleman marrying a black woman would not put him in a position where he thought he might at least get some uh racist feedback well, they're, they've they'd only been married like what three years or something. I think it's mentioned in a previous episode. They hadn't actually they hadn't been together super long, right? But I think well, so, yeah, maybe the bus drivers in whatever uh, place they are from are awesome, and there's no racism. Yeah, there and, and there's a, you know he's been a bus driver for however long. Surely he's at least dealt with it on the bus. It's not like England is immune to racism. You would think. Um, so you would think. You know, yeah. um, but but yeah. And and I do the um, I think the 
it's interesting that he talks about you know he's my grandson and is and is open about that and and that that's an interesting thing about them but this is you know this is an episode that is if it's about uh anybody it's about ryan i mean other than rosa mm-hmm. parks it's about ryan um but i mean so there's there's they get they get there and they very quickly discover uh when when ryan tries to do a good deed and pick up a glove that a lady drops and he gets hit by her uh husband i guess that um this is a super racist place and mm-hmm. uh they feel it immediately and they meet rosa parks and the doctor basically says um it says the white people maybe the white people should handle this and you guys should go back to the tardis because it's dangerous for people of color to be here and they uh and, and yaz and ryan are like no 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 it's you know it's dangerous for the people of color who are here too so uh they they but i think that's a really interesting moment and throughout this episode one of the things one of the things that very clearly they were trying to do with this episode is have the white characters be uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. the fact that they get a pass um, and not have it just be like things are normal for us and it's great but things are bad for you like they're super uncomfortable throughout all the way to that scene in the bus where Graham is standing there and he's like I don't want to be here and it's like too bad dude you got to be here and it's very and it explicitly acknowledges the privilege that the doctor and Graham get because they're white and that their other their two other friends do not yeah and as again pointed out on the tarbus uh episode about this they um the doctor and graham do the doctor especially they do a good job of um kind of stepping up in a way that's not escalating um, right. issues but it is putting them between they're, right. she, they're using a, their they're using their white privilege to protect their friends right in, without and, and, creating more right to intercede basically to act as a shield kind of for them yeah. and yeah. the doctor i feel like the doctor uses his or her time lord privilege to do that a lot throughout the show but in, in this case it is very specifically it is the whiteness thing that is the that is being used here the white lady is diffusing things on the streets of montgomery alabama yeah um i also want to mention since since um we're talking about this stuff the that yaz is put in an interesting position that i i find fascinating so she's south asian um and there's the and she's mis miscoded by the bus driver as or or somebody as a uh as a mexican um and what's interesting about that is to me is that you know she's she's in this position where in the racial strife of the south in the 50s she's kind of not um defined because this is a particular kind of racism like Mm -hmm. this racism is about black people and so brown people like yes they're like i don't know yeah sit with the white people whatever like you're because it's the specific way that the that the power is being um placed around a specific group and i i just thought that was interesting that it's super awkward for her because she doesn't she doesn't know where she fits because she does not fit in the social structure of racist uh jim crow alabama she doesn't fit anywhere and that's i think really interesting too not that she hasn't faced racism and not that she could uh skate by necessarily if she stayed here but that that the the full force of the racist society is not coming down on her it's coming down on ryan yeah, yeah, she 
it was an interesting problem for the show to address too and i'm glad that they did it like because there was that acknowledgement you know they get they get kicked out of the diner right um because she's quote-unquote mexican um that's right and but but also she's on the bus and the bus driver drivers who seem pretty dead set on having that segregation between um black and white they don't really seem to care where she is in it and so um you know it it was good it was good for the show to address that i wish um i don't know i guess i wish it had better answers but there aren't better answers when it comes to like racism and that kind of stratification you know like one of the things that I like about science fiction in general is that it is always about, despite what people think, which is that science fiction is about the future, um, it's not. It's Mm-mm. about us. Uh, it's about the era in which something is created, and it's created for that audience, a modern audience. And Doctor Who is popular entertainment, at least on the BBC, on Sunday nights. And uh, so why you do an episode about Rosa Parks in 2018 is because of our current situation and you know i I was struck by the fact that sometimes you see including doctor who in the past you see in science fiction this hi i'm from the future where we solved racism thing right and sometimes it's hi i'm from now where we've solved racism but see how bad it was back then and this this episode is not doing that this episode has that great scene where ryan and yaz are talking by the dumpster where they've had to flee out the window because the it's a segregated motel that they're in and they sit there and they talk about the racism that they face in 2018 and she says about the racism she faces and he talks about his whole experience and things that his grandmother taught him and all of that happens and that that's what this not to mention the fact that the the antagonist in this episode is a racist from the future who's trying far, the far future the far future who's trying to go back and stop the civil rights movement um so like this whole episode is saying um this is things have changed since then but things are not solved and that i mean the, if if this wasn't an issue this episode wouldn't need to exist today yeah it's interesting because i saw a lot of people say well this episode was too on the nose or it was too heavy-handed and uh, it needs to be like i, I yeah, I mean, at, at yeah. the point where we are right now, racism is still such a major issue for like so many people don't even understand the ramifications or the extent of racism in the United States or in England. And we need to have episodes that illustrate that and that are on the nose for people who know better, because for a ton of people, they're not. Yeah. And, and as as broad popular entertainment in the UK, especially um setting in the u.s does kind of give it a a slight layer of remove for them that it doesn't give for us but having these two young modern british characters talking about racism in modern day britain like that is simultaneously reaching people of color in britain who have had those experiences and white people including Mm -hmm. kids in britain who maybe they realize that their friends who are black or south asian or some other uh, group that's not white uh have 
do face this even today. And and so I think, I mean, you said too heavy handed or too on the nose. I'd say, is it heavy handed? Yeah. Is it on the nose? Yeah, it is too. I would, no. I, you know, I don't. I, I think, I think this is what it is, and it, it, they're not going for the broad metaphor of something like that Star Trek episode where they're the guy who's black on one half and white on the other half and the other oh, guy geez. who's reversed that right. is like oh, oh we're gonna blow your mind and there are ways to do that science fictionally where it's like ah oh, it's a it's a parable about racism there's like mm, no this is a parallel of racism on earth in modern and almost modern times that's where that's where they're they're going here it's in a grand tradition of doctor who episodes that kind of walk through history and where you meet fav- famous figures however and I think this is an interesting difference that goes back to my list of like things that people were concerned about is in many of the historic historical episodes of Doctor Who, not the pure historicals where it's like literally just what happened and there's no science fictional element. Here we have mm-hmm. a bad guy. Um, well, although it's interesting, we don't have anything else. There's no like, oh, it turns out that Rosa Parks' friend was an alien or that what we thought of as a civil rights thing was actually precipitated by this bogus science fictional something. It's an interloper from the future who's trying to stop it and then they have to fix it. So so the events are real in, in that way, like they're completely mm-hmm. purely real, which is important. But also important in a story like this is they can't be the hero. Right. Like mm-hmm. their job. And this is hard to do with drama. And I said this episode struggles in a few places with it. But like this episode's trying very hard to make it clear. All they're there to do is to set the stage to allow Rosa Parks to be the hero. The doctor can't be the hero. Graham can't be the hero. Ryan can't be the hero. I mean, if anyone's the hero, he is because he's running down the street saying the buses take the buses. Right. But really, it's people. It's all white people take the buses. But the real hero is Rosa Parks and they, they can't not let Rosa Parks be the hero. So they have to work around it. So you get this kind of plot that is, as somebody pointed out, more like well, Quantum Leap, uh, mm-hmm. where you, you know, really what you're doing is kind of inhabiting the scene of a, of a famous event and making sure that it carries off. And, and you know, but, but the doctor, the doctor doesn't swoop in and become the hero of the civil rights movement, right? That was a very important thing to not, ha- not do. And, th- and this episode does not do that. Yeah, and there was a line toward the end. Yaz says something about, like, we were on the bus the whole time. And I was like, well, it kind of depends upon what, like, theory of time travel you subscribe to. But sure. Um, Yeah, it is is kind of uncomfortable, you know, that you have the doctor and co working toward making this really bad in the moment thing happen right um right they're, and, they're the white people on the bus who force rosa parks to to precipitate the act they are forced right. to be the people loading the bus up so that this has to happen which is a terrible position to be in but that is what they have to do to make it happen yeah it, throughout the episode i was thinking wow was rosa parks really this patient because these people are getting in the way a lot and they are weird like they are really strange Strange british people she, appeared yeah and she she's just going with it like yeah i guess she had a lot of practice dealing with weird white people i don't know but like I, it was it, it, that thinking back on it a couple of days later that's the part that really um if anything kind of sticks in my craw about the episode it's like the the hard work they put into um trying to negate what this racist 
time traveler was doing like they put a lot of work into it and it it felt a little janky in places like I don't know that I don't know like it just didn't feel like it fit together super well maybe there were some scenes that were taken out that would help it flow better I don't know yeah I I think if, if we're talking about things that don't work in this episode I think one of the things that really doesn't work for me is uh Klezco Casco Costco whatever the the racist guy <laughs> Go himself for all your bulk goods he's um he's he okay so he's got his leather jacket and he's all like hey i really love being in the 50s and i'm blending in but like i i don't mind at all the concept here which is essentially um hey a racist from the future got a time machine and is going to try to stop the civil rights movement like okay that's fine um but my problem with him is and some of this is is a larger complaint I have. I think about Chris Chibnall, who is who is uh, credited as co-writing this episode with what is Marjorie Blackman, who's the uh, the uh, uh, the first woman of color to write for Doctor Who ever. By the way, mm-hmm. um, and she's written other ancillary Doctor Who stuff before, but for the TV show proper, um, and just the 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 villain is here to kind of move the story along and but it's not about him which is fine but he's kind of a blank like we get a little bit that he's he's committed vague atrocities um but like they have a big confrontation and then he just lets them leave and they let him leave and it, it early on you know when they're hiding behind those big yeah. gas drums and all that and i thought why are you letting each other go here why is there why are you just nodding and walking away uh to fight another round later like i get that the episode has got another 40 minutes to run and but like <laughs> i don't script. i don't understand why that happens and then they confront him again and again they kind of separate and then in the end um, you know, Ryan shoots him with his little time time gun into, and he goes away. But it's just one of those things that I kind of wish that he had had a little bit more of a straight line, or or maybe he had already. One thought I had is maybe he already set all the roadblocks that he could into place, and so they could defeat him early on, and then realize that the whole rest of the episode is they they have all these things that they have to undo. But instead, they kept him around, but he didn't. He he wasn't much of an antagonist. Yeah. Um and, and I just I, it it made the the whole thing feel a little shapeless like i got the the rosa parks part of it but the doctor who part of it this episode reminds me a lot of vincent and the doctor which is one of my very very favorite doctor who episodes in that the villain is kind of not the point and kind of not that interesting um in vincent and the doctor if you forget the villain is sort of a giant invisible chicken um oh yeah that's right those aren't those aren't the parts i remember about it yeah right uh and so i feel like klesko or whatever he is his name is costco is um is beside the point but uh i I felt like there there could have been more there because that that it seems like there's just an to me there's like an empty space in the mechanics of the plot that turn it from being something that is a string of of interesting scenes and emotional content about rosa parks and and our character's reaction to the time and all of that and this villain who's kind of like you know, he, he like he has to be present, but he I never found him interesting. Yeah, and I I even wondered if they're going to bring him back at some point because it it's feels pretty open ended. Like we got these hints of like like you said atrocities in the maximum security galactic prison that River Song somehow can break out of all the time. I'm um, like we have these these pieces of him. 
And then all of a sudden he's in the past. So I'm wondering if something's going to come up where they go back and get him or if he's just kind of an invisible chicken and we're never going to hear from him again. I I have Um, a hard time believing that there is anybody out there who says, wow, I'd really like to see Crasco again. His name's Crasco. I looked it up. Like, he's just, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's it's really uninteresting. I even thought the... um, the, th- the whole thing with, oh, you have this implant that means that you can't actually harm anybody, but you can let set events into motion that will cause harm. Yeah. So you're not operating by the, the robot code. But like, um, I, I did I didn't think that it felt very hand wavy. And it's Doctor Who. There's going to be stuff that's hand wavy. But I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, but that's not the point. Yeah, so. I, I will say this for Crasco, which is. I much prefer the fact that this is an episode where a a racist from the future wants to change events than if it had been that a, you know, alien blob landed in Montgomery and was going to upset the course of events, right? Because that, I feel like, trivializes the specific struggle that's going on here. And having somebody who is a science fictional injection in order to have this story happen, but he's part of the struggle against racism right he is he is Mm -hmm. he's a part of the story even though he's from the future and he's this added element and again i think on the list of things that this episode absolutely did right and needed to do right not trivializing the struggle by making it about an alien that you know lives inside the bus (laughs) is important i'm glad i'm very glad they didn't do that um i want to mention um I I could not love that scene more where I, I, I like Ryan throughout. He is so good. But the, the scene where he he meets Martin Luther King. Yes. And he says, Yes, Martin Luther King. <laughs> yes, Rosa Parks. <laughs> and he does like, what am I doing? It's just like I, I, I just the joy of that moment, like I can't believe that but I have a time machine now, and so here I am talking to these people. That was great. And then after he zaps Crasco, he says, Great job, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. I know. <laughs> to himself. <laughs> like what is that's I just it's adorable. It's great. I yeah, I like that too. I I also like the scene immediately I, I grouped in kind of at the end where he and Rosa are outside talking. Um just kind of that see being able to see her or character 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 oh my gosh. <laughs> being able to see a representation of her kind of relaxing, you know, because as she's moving around the world she has to be aware of everything at all times right right? and seeing her outside of her house and she just kind of relaxes and is talking to ryan and i thought how many people actually in real life got to see that side of her right where it wasn't about um you know appeasing customers or being um you know part of the NAACP or um you know this wasn't the first time that she had been involved in any kind of protest you know this was um an important culmination of a lot of things that led up to that for her and so I don't know it it was just it felt really I don't know intimate I guess in a way that it was just like oh 
she gets to breathe a little. That's really nice to see. And I, I didn't realize that was something I was looking for in the episode until it happened. It was like, that's really nice. Well, one of the most important things that any historical kind of Doctor Who episode can do, I think, is make you feel like that historical figure who has been lionized and turned into a, you know, a, a statue and a, a legend uh, to make them human. And mm-hmm. the best, the best episodes. That's why I love Vincent and the Doctor. Yeah. But, um, the Shakespeare Code does, you know, does that. It's a comedy episode, but I mean, like Shakespeare, you get a that that is a that is a discernible character, and like you want to see these historical figures and see them with their hair down. Basically, you want to you want to see that, and so we get a little bit of that with Rosa Parks, and it's like gold because how you know it's like this rare chance. How how can you get to see that? Um, I like it when she's talking to Yaz when she's um, stitching up the doctor's coat too and and they talking about her job at the police which she's surprised by and like what do you, you know but it's I'm, I'm working towards something what is it and yes says uh, i wouldn't be in charge Charged. and she laughs she's like yep that's yeah that's the that's the stuff they she recognizes uh that in her that's uh it's that that's all good stuff too i like it i like also by the way um when she's being led away from the bus at the very end um she does not acknowledge the four people as having helped her or not or whatever, but she does give a nod to Ryan as she walks away. That's what she does. She gives a nod to Ryan as he watches her walk away. And I and that's the last shot from the, you know, before they're in the TARDIS at the very end. And I really liked that that is that's what she does. She not gives a nod to Ryan on her way out. It felt like not only an acknowledgement of Ryan, who I, I think probably feels pretty adrift um after losing his grandmother and being on sudden space and time adventures um but it felt like a a nod to the future like she did that and it had a profound effect right in the subsequent years right she she doesn't know that but that is what is going on here is she's really nodding to the future there passing the torch kind of yeah 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 for sure um, uh, what did you think of yeah. what did you think of the use of Rise Up at the end? I've heard both positive and negative about it. Um, I I thought it was too far. I thought yeah, it, I did too. I, I felt it was. I mean, it is inspirational and it is not thematically wrong to do it. I thought it was um, just over the top. I thought it was sort of just too much frosting on that cake. And that that it was it was the obvious choice, and um, and and yeah. So it's like I mean, it is. I mean, you you could say like, well, after doing all of this and hitting all these notes, we're going to hit that final note really hard, and they did. But uh, and and far far be it me, for me to complain about this because this is very similar to how Vincent and the Doctor ends with a with a loud contemporary song playing over an emotional moment. Um, but I don't know. It didn't it didn't work for me. I would have preferred something a little more subtle than that. But I don't think like we ta- said earlier, right? I don't, I don't know if we they were really going for subtlety here. <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt like it kind of overrode the profoundness of the moment like this woman has been not dragged but kind of forcibly led from a bus and um like we get it in retrospect but it felt kind of like 
that was a big deal. It, and mm-hmm. it was not a good thing. And I mean, long term effects. Yeah. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's, this is a, a huge, uplifting pop music kind of montageable moment when what we're really seeing is a woman being arrested for yeah. under racist policies and being put in the back of a car and taken down to jail. And we know where this is headed. But I guess what I would say is. It is is the moment where Rosa Parks at the moment when we watch it when she's being hauled away is that a moment of triumph and I would say internally for Rosa Parks to stand up and refuse this yes that was a triumph mm-hmm. for her but I think I think I would argue that maybe that is the moment of tragedy and the triumph yeah. is that ever that it is an inciting moment to make everybody else outraged and it, that and that that's the best I can do to try to like my feelings about it is like i feel like her doing this is not like a victory it is the start of a painful process that is doing the right thing is hard and bad things are happened but somebody has to be the first one to do the right thing and so yeah so for me tonally it just seemed weird yep yeah i agree and that thank you because that was a lot more elegantly stated than i was well i was grasping for it for a while like why why did that hit me so weirdly and and i think you i think you led me down that path by saying like is is this that great montageable moment and it's like no this is an ugly moment in history where one person finally stood up and the result was that she was you know badly treated taken away put in jail but that moment changed everybody else by galvanizing them and that's not quite the same as when she's getting put put in handcuffs into a car is that a victory lap no it doesn't feel like a victory lap feels like the start of a struggle which is what it was and somebody had to start it and she started it and that you know i don't know it's tough um i wanted to ask you about jody because here we are in three episodes of jody whitaker how are you feeling about her as the doctor I really like her. I really, really, really like her a lot. Um, I do. I'm still struggling with these feels. So we had a brief Twitter interlude, uh, a couple, I guess, after the last episode where I do feel like she is the most compassionate doctor that we've had in a while, the most empathetic and the most um, like she takes time to explain things to the companions instead of just like, shut up and follow me and don't say anything. (laughs) And, you know, like and I. I love that, but on the other hand, I'm kind of, I have feelings about it being the first woman doctor who is the one who is being compassionate and taking time to explain things and, um... Right. The last thing you want is, oh, well, now the doctor is a woman. She can be nurturing and mothering. Yes. Yeah. And so um, I it's not enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, it's bad. But I I do have that twinge every once in a while where she's um, she's having those moments where she's like, no, I will take a moment to explain to you before I continue my train of thought. but I like her a lot. I love the theme. I love the new theme and I love the credits, the visuals, mm. um, the opening credits, I think are beautiful. I like purple though. So <laughs> they're Time for playing alter- very strongly to me, but yeah, yeah, it's, it is beautiful. I, I am still loving her 100%. I think she's my, uh, Jody Whitaker. I, I'll go beyond that and I'll say the casting in general, but Jody Whitaker in particular and the, um, and the look of the series, the way it's been shot, which is, mm-hmm. uh, I think we talked about this in the first Flashcast this season, feels like 
like the 11th hour when Stephen Moffat took over was a step up in terms of the production quality of the show. And it definitely feels like this season has been another step up, which I guess sort of makes sense that every five years, if you have a major production turnover, that five years of technology and production values and what the modern view of television is have have gone on. And so you need to to take that step but boy did they take it the it look the show looks fantastic i think the performances are all good but i think jody whittaker's is amazing she is she is absolutely the doctor she does bring another thing to it in our little twitter exchange what what i sort of said was i feel like the doctor often kind of goes between being weird and and standoffish to being yeah. to being friendly and then like when tom baker became uh, peter davison it was a little bit like that uh and then peter davison became colin baker but then colin baker became sylvester mccoy who was nicer although more mysterious um and so with this i feel like in some ways this is chris chibnall wanting a more a new show that's more welcoming i think it's also in my head canon it is um peter capaldi's last act is to give that speech and say you know be nice doctor if you're going to mm. do this again because he was the cranky doctor right he's he like really was so yeah. so so be nice this time and and so that's how i internally that's kind of how i view it but but i get i i think it's a really good point that that uh in the long run we should see jody whittaker be given the ability to have those aspects and i do wonder if maybe having her be so sunny now is so that when she does get angry um later or, or you know that that um we've seen her we've seen her like this so that if there is a dramatic turn and something enrages her that we feel it because we've seen her yeah. like this i've been thinking about that a lot uh, especially since the rosa episode like I am really looking forward to seeing her get mad. Like, I cannot wait for that to happen because I think it's going to be a great moment. Like, I just, I do. And as you say, her current, you know, softness is the only word I can think of, but that's not right. But like, her current disposition is uh, is going to contrast that really well, whereas like Peter Capaldi, he was always yelling, like he was always mad. Some of... Some of the most profound like doctor speeches I can think of are like David Tennant mm. because he had this way of like drawing himself up and making himself really rigid and his face would get really rigid. And I think that Jodie Whittaker is going to have kind of those contrasts too, where yeah. it's going to be really, really interesting to see. But I definitely feel like with with Patrick Troughton and with Peter Davison and with Matt Smith, there have been eras where where the doctor has similarly been kind of like i'm i'm super friendly with my yeah, yeah super friendly and goofy and and uh welcoming and warm and and not sharp edged and um and and so that's that's sort of how i'm going to take it for now but i think her performance is fantastic it is also i think for a lot of people um the question was going to be how do we process like not like oh no uh tardis full of bras right but like right. how do i process a character who i've always read as male being female it, just what's that going to be like and i will say through three episodes every script has had moments in it that are very very clearly designed to make you watch this doctor and say that's the doctor like mm-hmm. there is no doubt like 
every episode, there have been moments where I've just smiled and said, this is just the next variation on the theme, but it is so clearly referencing this and this and this other thing. And it's just like part of this big, you know, big uh, uh, soup of Dr. Character aspects that every kind of performer kind of dips into, um, and and that and so like I, I I'm really liking her performance, but I also say it, she is absolutely the doctor. There is no doubt about it. Any question of like, well, you know, how is this gonna? How are they gonna handle it? How's it gonna go? How's it gonna read? It's like, nope, it's just it's not an issue. It's not an issue. If I have any issue with this season, it's some of some of the villains and some of the storytelling have felt kind of flat to me, but mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with how the show looks and how the performances are, especially from Jodie Whittaker. You know, as we're talking, I'm thinking about like the past transitions. I've had a really hard time with every Doctor transition except this one. Huh. Um, I David Tennant, I love David Tennant. My doctor, I was mad when he left. I was mad when Matt faces Matt Smith's face was on the screen. Like it wasn't about him. It was just like I really liked David Tennant in that role. And then I finally warmed to Matt Smith. And then it was like, oh, Peter Capaldi. And Peter Capaldi was mad all the time. And it made me mad to watch the show because he was mad and I was feeding off of that. But Jodie Whittaker is the first doctor where I haven't been like you know, I don't know about this. I really miss the old one. I, I wish he would come back. And that's not to say I didn't like Peter Capaldi. It's just how that role was for him. But um, I don't know. I, I, I was ready for it or she's doing, I think it's probably a combination of, I was just kind of ready to not have that anger all the time. Yeah. But also she's just really, she's really good. She's really good in the role. And I'm I'm thrilled that she's there. I, my my theory about uh, this is I'm going to just try it out here. We'll we'll see how it goes. Is mm-hmm. the doctor as a character has a range? Yes, but every performer has a smaller range because that yes. that character is enormous. So every performer in Doctor Who kind of picks their range that they're going to go in, and so and there's overlap. But uh, and so Peter Capaldi was funny and cool and you know begrudgingly friendly like you knew when he when he cared about somebody he didn't let you know by showing you he cared except kind of grumpily and begrudgingly but it's mm-hmm. there but it's, it's a different thing and with jody whitaker it's a very different kind of thing but i feel like it's all all part of that big that larger kind of spectrum that dynamic range of the of the character but she fits right into it and uh and i i yeah it's i like seeing it too like i love 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 peter capaldi but um you know, I don't want the doctor to always be the cross, uh, you know, cross uh, distinguished professor, yeah. which is what he did. And he did it well. And he had the attack eyebrows and it was all great. But it's like, I also loved Peter Davison. And he was he was a much more friendly, gentle, innocent kind of doctor. And I get some of that from Jody, And it's great. And in in universe, like, I really do like to think like, okay, I've been angry long enough. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm really looking forward to her getting her own pair of sunglasses and playing yeah. the heck out of that electric guitar because that's going to be cool sure. if they do it. Sure, sure. I mean, the the guitar is around if she wants to play. I don't know if Jodie yeah. Whittaker can play the guitar. I mean, that's but but uh, um, we'll see. And and next week we have um, we have arachnids in the UK. So if you don't like spiders, watch out next Sorry. week. Next week there are going to be spiders, but um, but yeah, I think this was to wrap it up. I mean, overall, I I thought this was a good episode, but it is. I would not. I wouldn't want every episode of Doctor Who to be the let's go to the past and learn an important lesson about the past and ourselves. Right? I don't want every episode to be like that, but 
one of the things I love about this show is that it can do this and then move on to an episode with like space spiders, giant spiders. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess I don't have anything to say. I, I, I I love, I love it. All right. Well, well, that's great. That's great. (laughs) And, uh, I guess, I guess we will wrap it up here. I want to thank everybody out there for being patient with us. I, don't think i i am traveling next week too but not until monday so i should be able to do a doctor flashcast on sunday night i appreciate the people who actually tweeted saying where is it uh that's really sweet because you know we do these podcasts and i don't know what's going on nobody could be listening so that was very nice for those who asked and uh you know i just i couldn't do it this week but we'll do it next time and aline thank you so much for talking about doctor who with me I'm always happy to talk about Doctor Who. Yay! We'll (laughs) see you on Sunday. It's not even a week away. Yay!